0: This is the Nature Boy Ric Flair, 16 times, your world heavyweight champion, and the host of Woo Nation, along with my co-host, and I mean the legendary. (laughs) I have been in four cities in the last two weekends, and literally the legendary Conrad Thompson. Second wealthiest man, youngest billionaire oh my God. in Alabama, who drives a $347,000 Rolls-Royce in Huntsville, Alabama? Half the people there don't know what it is. He's got an 11,000 square foot home on a cliff. Oh my God. I told someone the other day, he's got a wine cellar you can park a car in. <laughs> what more could you want in life? Somebody said, what does Conrad drink? And I said, there are enough bottles of Crown Reserve in the state of Alabama. <laughs> anyway, with me today, my good friend Conrad Thompson.
1: And man, have we got a guest today. We really do. This is one of our most requested guests. I've been counting the days till we could actually do this one. Yeah, this guy... Never really
0: got the recognition as a single uh, because he's been in tag teams most of his life. But literally, ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest professional wrestlers that I've ever been in the ring with. And a guy I had more fun wrestling and made more money with than all but about three guys. Ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Ricky Morton. And by the way, for women out there, if you've got an 18-year-old daughter, turn this off. <laughs> running high. It's Ricky Morton on the phone. Hello, Ricky. Hello. Hello, Rick.
2: I haven't seen you in a long time. What, just all weekend? <laughs> yeah, I know, man. All Two, Great. two solid Amen. days. Great times and, uh, for all the guys out there in, that are listening on this show. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, but what I a crowd, we, what what a, crowd Saturday night, huh? I'm telling you, what I'm saying is... His face, because Bo and Rick Flair is on this show, we all make money. <laughs> and I appreciate that, dude. Well, I appreciate uh, being there. So much fun. Hey, you, you, you made a comment a while ago about Conrad, his, his car. Uh, you know, I had the pleasure of staying at Conrad's uh, house one time. We, and the next morning, we go eat uh, barbecue over the town over. And uh, I got the backseat of the car, and, I, and I, I'm asking him, are we late? I mean, we're doing 140 miles an hour. <laughs> oh yeah, Damn, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm asking, are we late? I mean, we got to be there at a certain time. No, that's <laughs> sh- down, <Damn>, please. <laughs>
0: you know. No. When he comes to Atlanta to visit me, he'll take pictures of his speedometer with a with a reading of 145, 160 on that back road. Of course, there's nobody oh, in yeah. Alabama anyway to arrest him. So, <laughs> well, I'm telling you. I mean, I didn't, I didn't understand him. That road car, between Chattanooga and, 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 yes, and Huntsville, asked, <laughs> there's nobody yeah, right. on it anyway. Oh,
2: I know it, but I, I got out of the car. Somebody asked me, "You all right?" I said, "Dude, I just did the Firecracker 500 for Ricky Rudd over here, man." <laughs> uh, well, my goodness, you're killing yeah. me. No, it's the truth. <laughs> It's, wow! Yeah, I know. It's Rick, insane. thank you for uh, thanks for having me on your show today, man. I mean, tonight uh, it's great, buddy. It's what you know. What a great compliment it is. Come in, and I'll give credit. What credit do you know? We fixing to do a podcast here, and uh, and understanding uh, when you ask me questions, and I hope people out there, and hope you do too, that that when I answer, I answer with the truth. Uh, I don't mean to hurt nobody's feelings. I'll give credit where credit's due, but it's just the way it is. Uh, you have me on your show, and uh, and that's what we're going to do today. How's that?
0: Okay, well, the most requested question, I'm being facetious right now, but it's at least I want to know. So you've been wrestling 30, what, how many years now? Rick, I've been wrestling 40 years. Okay, that's even worse. How many women?
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, can I, can I say this to you, Ray? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, the other night we were in no. Northport. I'm making a joke. We, uh, no, 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 but I was, I'm telling you this because I don't care. The other night I was in North Fork. We were at the Scope. And I was down there in the parking garage, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself. And I could not count or even try to imagine how many girls I had in the basement of that Scope. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. Serious. I'm serious. I'm going. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. I'm But uh, I'm just telling you the truth. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I I'm looking around, I'm going, You've got to be kidding me, hey, you, man. You'd have a tough
0: time lying to me anyway, I already know. <laughs> the the the, the bell'll be ringing. they
1: say, Where's the rock and roll express? Robert say, I'm here. It, it, Ricky was getting the hot tag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
0: Great. Well, all right, dude. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy that you're doing well and uh love your family. Have you ever met his son? I have met. Yeah. His he son's is. a better hand than a lot of the guys right now working in the business. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. How old is he now, Rick, Ricky? But you know what Rick yeah, and, and he does. You know how family the family. And but it's just not that. And it's what and, and you even told me this one time, too. And this is what is a great compliment. It's not about my son being a great worker in the ring. It's not about my son uh, doing this. And what you are in a lot of things. But you told me, you come up to me one day and say, Ricky Morton, your son has a great, the best manners that I've met. And see, that's, that's a compliment to me. Yeah. I took that more as a compliment than anything else. Oh, he's a, good, and, uh, he's a great young man. Well, thank you, Ricky. A Big fan of yours, buddy. Yeah, uh, he found, he, you know know—he's—I uh, got He's a director now, and he's uh, doing a musical. And uh, I, I could not tell him that you were on the card this weekend. Oh, yeah. And so I, got, I got back home, well, I haven't oh, seen him. In about, flipped out. I haven't no, seen him in about a year. All I know, he wanted to see Rick, and I told him. I said, "You gotta go. you, you know, I didn't let him know." Yeah, uh, great fan. And, and Conrad, you you met my son before too, but he's yes sir. Now he's well, he's a he head taller than I am now. Uh Big boy. I don't know, but Dad, I guess, supposed to stop by a couple of times. <laughs> all my kids, all my kids are a foot taller than I am. I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, <laughs>
1: that's awesome. Yeah. So, so I'm curious when did you guys first meet It seems like you all have known each other a long time um, Robert and I no I'm talking about Rick Flair and Ricky Morton when did you guys first meet?
2: Uh, Dude, you know I first met Rick you know what and, and I like to say this and that you know I, I used to work out in Kansas City and I don't know if Rick remembers this or not but Ricky come in uh, you know he's a world champion and uh, I would jockey I would fight. And I don't know if Rick remembers this or not. I, I wasn't me. I, I'd want to fight. Um, I wanted to wrestle Rick on uh, St. Louis TV. I mean, you know, because Rick was world champion. And then he come out there because when you put Rick over on TV, you know, after the match, he'd come by and put a $100 bill in your hand. Rick, you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yes, I. Hey, that was more than I made in two weeks. <laughs> no, but I, I, I had forgotten that we, you and I wrestled on TV. I know I always uh, the. Uh, I was thinking that uh, that must have been like eighty one or eighty two then, right?
2: Ah, uh, it was right around that area.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I, uh, I was thinking the first time I met you was like eighty four when you guys were in Louisiana.
2: Yeah, well I meant that that's when you first seen Robert and I together because and understand me, I was just an underneath guy. And yeah. you come in and, and but I'd want to work with you because I'd put you over on T V and Dad you put me up, you give me a hundred dollar bill in my hand. That's more I made in two weeks. Yeah. And I was in I was in line, I'd somebody to put player over on T V. <laughs> 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 but you know why, Rick? And that's what I liked about you. Now, you gave uh you gave you took care of the boys like that. Uh, you know, to, and, and being one of the boys and being underneath, that was a lot we looked forward to. I mean, we looked forward to you coming to town, not only because you sold out the places, uh, but, but you helped us all. I mean, you gave, you know, when a guy worked with you and put you over, you, you, you took care of us, you gave us money. You see, that's things that that I never forgot, uh, never did. But, uh yeah, but when you came to Louisiana for Bill Watts, that's when you met Robert and I as the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. Uh, and that's just uh, having a great run. And uh, I never forget this either. I was working for Bill Watts, and uh, and this is after I, I met you a couple of times, but we got to Superdome, and I'm in the dressing room getting dressed. Matter, matter of fact, Muhammad Ali was there exactly like wow. that night. And, and – but this man came in behind you, and I didn't uh, – I didn't know who he was. I'm serious. I did not know who he was. But everybody had left the room, and I'm sitting over there. And this this man walked up to me. Says, uh, "Heard a lot about you. Uh, I come from Charlotte, North Carolina, just to watch you wrestle tonight. You and your partner." Uh, he said, "Rick's told me a lot about you." And I didn't know who he was, you know. And when he—that's all he said. He walked off. And I went over and I asked somebody, man, who was that little man? He said, that was Jim Crockett. <laughs> that owns the uh, we were we, we were recruiting, man. Yeah, oh, you did. And uh, and, after, you know, and, I, and, I, and I went and told, as a matter of fact, I worked at Ted DiBiase and, uh, and Steve Williams that night. And I yeah. told Ted, I said, man, Jimmy Crockett, he said, buddy, we give him something to see, too. And when I came back, he asked us, uh, he was interested in coming to Charlotte, North Carolina. And then and had a little talk, and I gave my notice on that my Two weeks later, I came to, uh, we well, I mean, we did our TV in Shelby, North Carolina, two weeks later. Yeah. Thank you, Rick. Yeah, you know, Thank I'm sure you. Did. No, I'll tell you, what's funny is I, I go
0: out there, and I didn't wrestle a lot at the Tulsa Fairgrounds. Right. But I probably was there five or six times. But my first time there, and I uh, had never seen these guys, the Rock and Roll, work with the Midnight Express. And, uh and the fairgrounds probably held what five six thousand Ricky oh yes you know yes Ricky maybe may, may, maybe more but it was like you know but so You know what a little bit
2: more because we usually be wrestled in Tulsa at the accessor downtown exactly but but they brought you in and the fairgrounds was bigger well anyway, I was so,
0: big. but I I walk out the door and I hadn't seen these guys work and 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 I'm I'm just there watching them having this phenomenal match, and then a full-scale riot. And I haven't even been in the ring yet. Wow. I mean, they had the heat with with Cornette and these guys. I mean, they'd get Ricky down, and Ricky's, you know, Ricky, I'll tell you this right now, three of the best guys, the good guys in the business that can sell like Ricky, Shawn Michaels, Ricky Steamboat, and Ricky Morton. I mean, when when you had Ricky Morton down, people believed he was getting getting hurt. Yeah. You know? uh, and uh that boy and, and Cornet was Cornet was fearless back then. I was surprised. <laughs> he wasn't afraid of the heat either boy.
2: He had that. No, he was, out, you know back what, Rick, rise. I I watched Cornet learn to fight. I watched him get his butt whipped so many times he learned to fight. But you know what you're talking about that, that, that this is a situation matter of fact I was talking about this other night in the room. And we talking about the guys who went to work now being heels and being in Philadelphia Was one of the biggest hill towns I've ever been in my life. Yeah, Uh, you know, Rick Flair could not do no wrong, and I'm scheduled to go out and do an hour time limit with Rick Flair that night. So uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, Rick. I do. Uh, We go out and we have the we're having our match, and there, you know, and buddy, I was down, but in ten minutes, Rick. See, that's what people don't understand. No more about our business. You know, now if you got a hill cheering for you, they will you know, the young guys, they want the crowd to cheer for them. But in 10 minutes in the match, you have done turned this whole crowd around. Mm. Next thing I know, the crowd had done pushed the barricade all the way to the ring. <laughs> now, you back here, you're for Arn Anderson to come down. Arn had to come down. Here come Robert down. Yeah. Then, right in the middle of the match, you said, make a comeback and start false finish me. I'm going to get up and pull you over the top rope. If I don't get out of here, we're going to get killed. <laughs> and i never forget that. <laughs> well, yeah, we had to go home. We couldn't do it all, all the way. Uh, yeah. One, one, that's just, Rick, that's just being a part of the business that nobody knows no more. Yeah. I mean, God, what a phenomenon. And, and you're telling me, I mean, I don't, don't got to tell nobody out here in the world. You know, one thing about Rick Flair. And I always just do out tow, you know, I was on the way, and people said, man, let's go out and do something tonight. I said, dude, listen, I have got a raffle, Rick Flair, for the next month every night. And if Rick Flair, dude, I mean, this is him. If, I, if I'm not doing an hour time limit with 159 minutes, because, Rick, this is familiar to you. When people paid to see you, you gave them their money's worth no matter what. No matter if you were sick, no matter if anything, and that's what stands out to me. You, you wasn't the eight-minute wrestler. You didn't go in, you get out. You come to that ring, dude. That's the reason that Rick Flair is nobody, bar anybody in this world. And I'm not sitting here because I'm on the phone with you. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you this. But you gave people what they wanted. You're the real, real world champion out of everybody that has ever been one. And that's from my heart. And that's not a bad, you know, you can cuss me out tomorrow. (laughs) But that's
0: what I'm saying to you, Rick. Well, I I really appreciate that, Ricky. I feel the same way about you. We had, uh, it was a night off when I wrestled you. One week, I mean, I don't think people understand this. We we got this program going, uh, Ricky, and I'll let Ricky tell you the story. Um, And we wrestled nine one-hour draws two weeks in a row. Eighteen, eighteen, eighteen. Twice on Saturday, twice on twice Saturday, on twice on Sunday, well, and yes. we did that for two solid weeks until we went through yes. every town in the territory.
2: And, and then, then we came back. Yep, and, and did an hour and a half. Yeah, an hour and a half, a couple <laughs> times. Yeah, yeah, yeah a couple of times.
0: That was uh, that was uh, for, uh, was during the Horsemen or hot, but we. Did something in the Greensboro locker room, uh, very similar to what we did with Steamboat 10 years earlier. Concrete. We got Ricky down, and, man, we rubbed his face in the cement and beat the crap out of uh, Gibson. It was, it was the four of us, right? And then we put that nose guard on Ricky, and we would go to the ring, and, the, and I mean, the girls loved Ricky Morton. I mean, this is no joke. You know, hence my opening line. I said this weekend, the kid Ricky goes there. I said... <laughs> difference between me and Morton is he he, he he likes those teeny boppers and the training bras. I like, them, I like those chicks with a full sweater and an empty head. But, <laughs> but it got over with the kids. The little girls loved him. And so he'd wear this yeah. mask. And for 35, 40 minutes, I'd be trying to get it off him. Right. And when I finally oh, yeah. got it off, man, he'd zip himself, bleeding like crazy. I mean, we, we could have a riot right there. And then the last yeah, that's ten minutes—that's what, minutes, what you did. Yeah, oh, the last the last ten minutes, Doctor Flair went to work on himself, and <laughs> man, we—and <laughs> it was all him, man, for ten minutes. And they were screaming and hollering, and boom, and the rib was because it was really a rib. In the last thirty minutes, uh. Robert came out first. No, no, Arne came out first. And, yeah. and and then Robert had to come out and sit and watch him and I for 30 minutes every night. Instead, yeah. of, instead of being Be done with uh, brutal Arne said, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> he he yes, came out were. and then Robert They had to sit there for 18, 18 hours <laughs> in a row in two weeks. I oh. got you, Rick. Oh, uh, my God. Two-hour two draw. Two-hour draws. In a day, is a lot of wrestling, man. But It was yes, it a lot of wrestling and a lot of beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. But no beer until after the second match. <laughs>
2: remember, you and I were talking uh, this weekend. You know, and, and, you know, I, I, you, know I got, you know father time, and I would say that father time is undefeated, uh, no matter who you are. But, you know, I changed my life a lot. And uh, Rick ruined me ri- all ri- week because I quit smoking uh, about a year and a half, and I put on a little weight. Uh a little weight. He's actually oh, a contender now. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, but 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 changing my life, Rick, and and, and work but I still you know, but dude, I'm fifty nine years old and I still love this business. I still work hard. And, and it's sad when it's the only thing, you know you know, it's but uh Are you fifty
0: nine years old? Yes, I, I sure di- am. I did not know that. I, I figured you... I literally... I'm being honest. I thought you were just... Maybe just going to be 50. Wow. No, Rick. I'm yeah. 59
2: years old. And
0: it's, it's the and hair. I do, and huh? It's the hair. Yeah, but, I mean, that make I thought he was... He's old, that makes you older than Barry and Iron. Those guys are both, what, 55? Oh,
2: uh, I'm 57. older than Bobby Eaton, Tommy Rich, and all of them. Wow. Yes, I, I sure am. I that, didn't that. know that. Robert? You know, I'm four years older than Robert. But... uh But it's but what I what I was getting. That can't be true. I'm in you know I'm in better shape really being and I was when I was 25 years old, and uh, but back then I didn't hell I I didn't go to bed for 30 years, so uh, I don't.
0: Well, I know I was there with you for 30 of them, okay? (laughs) Well, and by the way, why wouldn't we have gone to bed?
2: I know. Uh, one of greatest stories, too, I tell people, <laughs> it was your birthday, Rick, and remember, we were in uh, New York City. We downtown. Maybe you you going to go see Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry, yeah, I know. <laughs> we go down there, and Rick, uh, I mean, making money, we're standing there, and... Uh, Rick pays some guy a couple of grand for two seats right here. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time we sat down, Chuck Berry called us on stage. Yeah. We never slept in the seats. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know who oh, that was? Goodness. You know, it was. We walked in there with me, Dusty, Ricky. I think a Hawk came too, right? Yes. Yeah. Sure and, uh, and and right in the front row, sitting right where I wanted to sit, was about four people. And guess who was sitting right next to him? Liza Minnelli. Oh, yes. Um, um, Bill uh, Bill Murray, yeah. right, and uh, Dan Aykroyd, right. They're all smoking marijuana, passed around the joint. So the guys next to me, I said, "What's going to cost me to have these seats?" And I, it was like fifteen hundred bucks to get the four seats. We just sat down, but it was my birthday. I love Chuck Berry, man. He was yeah. playing. It was the Lone yeah. Star Cafe. It's yes, not even, it was not even there yes,
3: anymore. Sir. What companies would you want to work for?
1: By now, you know that everything is crazy overseas and well, that's created some volatility in the market. We actually saw rates tick down a little bit this week. We don't know how long it'll stay that way. All the experts are predicting that there is going to be a rate hike this month in the month of March. Some are saying 25 basis points. Others are saying 50. What does that mean? It means waiting will cost you money. And by the way, I want to mention, this is still a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity just based on your real estate values. You see, all of a sudden, your house is worth considerably more than it was just a couple of years ago. And as a result, you can use that newfound equity to change your life. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners take their 30-year loan and pay it off in half the time and how can they afford to do that without their payments going sky high we get rid of all their other debt and i mean it as a heads up what would you do if you had no credit card debt just like that it was all paid off how much easier would life be if those car payments they're out of here no more car payments That is the story that we're able to help our friends and family with at savewithconrad.com. You see the interest you pay on your credit cards, not tax deductible and sky high, the interest you pay on your car loans, buddy, where's that going? what if we could restructure all of your debt use some of this newfound equity and at the same time get you out of debt faster you see what we're talking about is reducing the time on your mortgage yes we're going to get you a great rate but if you're in a 30-year loan think about what your life looks like 30 years from now man life gets a lot easier when you're completely debt free and that's what we want to help you do and by the way you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket and oh as a heads up if you've been thinking hey man I like my house, but my kitchen's kind of outdated. What if we could get you the cash you need to turn your average kitchen into something your wife loves? and it wouldn't change your monthly payment at all. Why wouldn't you do this? You see, you'd be reinvesting back in your own property. That's gonna make your house worth even more. And oh yeah, you can do it with cheaper monthly payments at savewithconrad.com. Now I know it sounds too good to be true, but I want you to go check out our reviews for yourself. See what some of our new family members are saying at conradreviews.com. You'll see there, we've got over a thousand verified reviews. Our average rating is 4.72. And if we were a restaurant with a thousand reviews and a 4.72 rating, I know where you're eating dinner and I know where you need to do your next loan. It's SaveWithConrad.com. Minimum less number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's savewithconrad.com.
0: Hi ladies and gentlemen, this is Rick Flair, 16 times your world heavyweight champion. Along with my good friend and co-host, Conrad Thompson, we do a show called Woo Nation, the number one (laughs) podcast on CBS. And our guest today is not even arguably, but sincerely coming from me, and I'm sure in the minds of anybody that's ever really known our sport, the greatest babyface, good guy, whatever the terminology you want to use, in the history of the business, the legendary Ricky Steamboat. Ricky, how are you, man? Hey, champ. I'm doing well. Down in Tampa. St. Pete. You're in St. Pete. I knew that. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry.
2: Yeah, yeah. Just a stone throw away from Madeira Beach.
0: Yeah, you know. Well, you were born in Tampa, right?
2: Well, actually, no. But I gr- I grew up in St. Pete. Went to, went okay. to uh, you know went to schools here.
0: Well, you won the high school uh, state wrestling championship. At what high school? Uh,
2: Bogusiega.
0: That's right, yeah. Because you were a couple years behind Mike Graham. A lot of people don't realize Mike Graham was a state champion as well. Remember Mike, right? Until- yes. Yeah, so,
2: well, when I was a sophomore and Mike was a senior in the district finals. Now, you had to win districts. I was in 10th grade. Yeah. District finals, you had to win districts. Which Then when you, you would qualify you to go to state, I met uh, Michael Gossip for the first time. And he beat me by a point. And um, there, sitting ringside, in the bleachers, was his dad, Eddie.
0: Yeah. What a small world, huh? A lot of people don't realize, um, you know, what a tragic, tragic situation that's been with Eddie and Mike and Mike's son, of course. But, um,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, Rick, um, I got this gig because they heard me on Austin's. And uh, the first one I did on Austin's, I was drinking, so it was very entertaining. <laughs> so you can only imagine. So CBS called uh, my agent, Melinda, who you know, and uh, said, what do you think about Flair doing a podcast? And here I am five weeks in. So, And uh, yeah. I'm lucky because I have a wealth of friends from all these years in the business. But, you know... Um, you know, we could discuss our personal accolades and all that, but I just I, I want to say from the bottom of my heart that, uh, you know, you rocked my world and I rocked yours, I think, on a very equal basis. We made music like nobody has ever made. And probably the greatest compliment that I've heard in the last shit, 20 years, which is saying a lot, is that my daughter Ashley right now is currently engaged in a series of matches with a girl named Sasha Banks, and ashley's name is charlotte um her, her wrestling name yeah and they're, and they're comparing their matches they're saying they're as good as steamboat and. Flint. wow that's awesome so to hear my hear that someone say that to me about my daughter i'm i'm thrilled because you know you and i have discussed it a thousand times i was 40 and you were 35 and 89 so and we started wrestling when i was 30 and you were 26 so <laughs> <laughs> how many? How many Green, I bet we had a hundred better than that in Greenville every on a Monday night, right? Oh
2: so. yeah, without a doubt. You know, a lot of times when I'm doing stuff like this, talking on radio to different, uh, you know, um, wrestling fans and, and and DJs and this and that, I, I always tell them. I said, "You guys never got a chance to see the matches that we saw, like in uh, Charleston or you know Greensboro or you know uh, uh, Charlotte, you know." i have got a particular match in Charles that I always uh, refer to and it, it holds a big strong memory in my mind and it, it puts it puts you in a it puts you over in a position to which uh, uh, our wrestling guys today have to understand timing you know and um if we get it, we get into this uh this discussion today I'll go ahead and tell that story
0: Well but, no, go uh, ahead you go ahead and tell it just don't tell the one, oh, you can now, I'm divorced. You can tell nah. the one about the three times you went out to, uh,
2: what the hell's the name of that place? <laughs> you told me that. Oh, you're, you're, to- you're talking about the, uh what was the name of
0: that club? <laughs> Who knows? It was
2: in the late 70s? Yeah, you know? Con- Conrad, will love that. I'll name of the club will
0: come to me. Tell the other story. <laughs> All right, you,
2: this, this was like, uh, I'm going to say early 80s. Two thousand and one. The two thousand and one club. Yeah. You want me to tell that story? You want me to tell that story? Yeah, you can too? tell that first. We we got a bunch <laughs> of them okay. got it's time. A, it's a very it's a very innocent story. Um this is uh this was a time to which they turned to baby face. And uh, we were we were wrestling and, and Piper at the time was also a baby face. Yep. So <laughs> you, myself and Piper were all baby faces and there was a Time in Charlotte, to which uh, we have uh, Piper, my partner. Then, uh, you know, two weeks later, they wrestled in Charlotte. At, the, at that time, it was called Independence Arena. Now it's Bojangles. And uh, you were my partner, you know, and that 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 created a lot of interest. But um, uh, on the first time uh, after the show, we would go down to the 2001 Club. Me, and you, Piper. And of course the the entourage of fans and also restless uh, slash girlfriends and wives. <laughs> <laughs> and the, <laughs> slash <laughs> and then and, you know, and then the owner of the place gave, uh, had an area for us, you know, seating Bill, area Bill with Cartwright. And <laughs> Bill Cartwright. Bill Cartwright yeah. couches and stuff like that. Had our own bar. <laughs> oh, make a long story short, sure, at the end of the night, the the bar tab was a thousand dollars. Now, you go back to like 1000 dollars. $1, so here comes Rico. He comes up to me and Piper, and he said, "All right, guys, our test tonight is a thousand bucks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tip them two hundred dollars. So it's twelve hundred bucks, and we're gonna split it three ways." And I looked at you, and I said, you know, I've had three beers tonight, Rico. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? three I mean. <laughs> Sorry. And, you know, and, and Roddy, of course, Roddy was all sports. There's no telling. what he uh, injected into his body. But, <laughs> injected? So, you know, 400 bucks apiece. Okay. Two weeks later, Charlotte Coliseum. Here comes the three of us. Back to the 2001 club. Another $1,000 bar cap. $200 tip, split three ways. Two weeks later, a third time. And after the third time, I got Roddy and you together, and I said, okay, guys, um, that's it. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out the one of us. It's been three times in a row, there's three of us flipping the bill for all the... Uh, for all the arena rats and all the groupies and all the all the boys and the you know girlfriends slash wives, arena rats. It, it, it's just been the three of us that have been paying for this, and it and um, uh, you know three three guys doing it three times. I take a rocket science. I figured I you know I had paid for one of these twelve hundred dollar nights, <laughs> and um, and that was the end of that. At, at, at the, uh, those three uh, nights at the two thousand one club. You know, I don't know what kind of money that would translate today. You know, you're talking 35 years later. $1,200 well, 1,
0: 1, be right? with, yeah. with, with a ton of money. Well, I got to tell you, I got to tell before we start getting serious, I got to tell one better than that. So 1978, I'm not the world champion. I'm just the U.S. champion, or I was chasing him one way or the other. But we were smoking hot and saw every arena. And so Christmas week of 78, because I just bought the house in Montebello, Rick, and you had the house on uh, Carmel Road, remember? Yes. Up on the hill. Okay, so. Yes. Um,
2: God, you got a good memory.
0: Yeah, well, I stayed there uh, yeah, during my first divorce, if you remember correctly. Your place. I, <laughs> I, sh- I shared the cool with you on top of the hill.
2: You know, yeah, you know what you showed up with? <laughs> it's midnight at 1 o'clock in the morning. Knock on. I go out the door. There's Rick Flair standing. And he's got his and bag in one hand, which was a halibut. And then the other hand, he's got about three or four of his $5,000 robes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's all
0: I got now. <laughs> hey, listen, Rick, so... Anyway, um, and so Rick, Rick, Rick and I go to the office, and they hand me, and we, we wrestled Christmas week, okay, which was the biggest week for us. That meant wrestling, Not we had Christmas Eve off, but we wrestled twice on Christmas Day, and then we wrestled big events, big venues all week long, so for seven like between days. Between there and New Year's. Between there, and, yeah, and yeah. we were wrestling, like, at that point, Rick and I were probably doing, I'm guessing, either an hour draw or five. 45, 50 minutes every night, twice right. on Christmas Day and then twice on the weekend. So, like, nine times of wrestling, right? Right. But we both got a check for $8,800 for the week in 1978. Wow. And I called him and I said, Jesus Christ, Rick, thank you, man. What the hell? $8,000? And he goes to me, yeah, you know, but I'm, ty- I'm tired of this bullshit. We're working on holidays you know, Rick, I'm you know, it's, it's it's pushing me. It's you know it's taxing my marriage, I don't like being gone as much. I said, What'd you just say to me? <laughs> I said, I'll meet you at the bar in about a half hour, man. He actually was gonna quit. Wow. He called George Scott and said, I'm tired of this shit. You know, I, I got better things to do. I said, What do you got better to do than make eight grand? I already spent mine. I need to make eight more next weekend. <laughs>
2: you know, uh, do you remember, I remember that? The- that, that is a true
0: story, fans uh, and comrades. Uh, oh. I, I do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I go, I go. you are what? I don't know. Why. I've never known you to be on drugs, but somebody is giving you something over the holidays. <laughs> Jeez, he just said, I'm quitting. He called him George Scott. Scott said, called me and said, Steamboat quit. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. That's so. one of the stupid
2: uh, Ricky Steamboat decisions. Or, or statements.
0: No, yeah. That's okay. We, we, we got you back on track. It took about 48 yeah. hours, but you were fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, hey, uh, is, is it okay to tell a story about a match that, you know, uh, you know that George Scott set up and all that? Yes, of sir. We yeah,
0: tell anything. Anything goes.
2: All right. We're wrestling in Charlotte Coliseum. And like you said, we have wrestled so many times there and did one-hour draws, Broadway's, you know. Joyce goes. Look, you two guys tonight. Let's let's get, let's flip Rick, Rick over, Flair, and um, give him really something hot. And and you don't need to go all night. I mean, you, you guys have worked here so many times to one-hour draws. because you know you looked at me and he said I didn't want to be Steamboat and I didn't want to be Flair. So you got to wrestle to a draw. You, you, the fans go you know go away knowing that they saw a hell of a match. But tonight let's really let's throw a monkey wrench into this situation and flair you go over you come up with something hot and um, you know just give me 20 25 minutes well how we're not even warmed up at 25 minutes so we both say, okay so and uh, he just said what do you I said what do you want Billy uh oh when it's right I'll just you know I'll be in the corner like I do begging off and you come in give me one of your big chops or something during your comeback and and I'll just sweep your feet off from under and put my feet up on the second rope and tell Tommy to get down and count. So we go out there and we we'll work. We have our match 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50 minutes, 55 minutes. Now, the fans have already been conditioned that when us two go that long, they're all sitting there. And they say, oh, it's another draw. It's another Broadway, right? So 56. And at this time, back in those days, the announcer would count, you know, five minutes left, four minutes left, three minutes left, you know, 58 gone, two minutes left, ladies and gentlemen, 59, one minute left. Here we got one minute, and I'm waiting, waiting for the call from you. And here we go, 30 seconds, ladies and gentlemen, 30 seconds left. And then we get down to 15. You beg off in the corner. I charge in. You sweep my feet out from under me. You tell Tommy, get down and count. You got your feet up there in the second row. Now, as the announcer is counting 10, 9, 8, Tommy goes 1, 2, 3. And there's like, you know, the big clock we used to hang in the center of the uh, Charlotte Coliseum, uh, like they use for basketball. We, we roll out of that. I'm laying on my back. I'm, I, I'm sucking air through my asshole by this time. You know, I'm <laughs> blown up. And I, and you look over at me and you go, we got him, kid. Because when he did the one, two, three, there was about a three-second silence. Coliseum sold out, and then here it comes. Here comes the roar, and the stuff's flying, and you take off, and you're running back to the heel locker room, and they're throwing stuff at you and everything like that. What a moment. This is what I was saying early on when you and I, when we first hooked up today, and I said, Ric Flair and his timing, how much closer could you have gotten to that that you did a screw finish on me when there was like four seconds left on the clock?
0: Well, as a FYI, you're the only person in the business, except Shawn Michaels, that I could probably have ever done that with.
2: <laughs> well, because thank you very much. But that, you know,
0: he's the only guy.
2: And and there's a thousand times that we worked with each other. That match, that match just sticks out in my head, and you know, something I'll never forget. Um, I don't know if any of the boys today could ever duplicate something like that. But you know, that was all on your shoulders. That was your call. That was your timing. You had to watch me and do your stuff and at the same time listen for the announcer making his call. And it was just it was a tremendous moment. Yeah, well, we uh, it's, one, it's one of those moments that never was filmed, you know, never taped, just a house show, you know, something like that. That uh, God, what a, what a thing it would be to put on a DVD and play back, you know, uh, a moment.
0: Yeah, Between. you know you know what's wrong with that, Rick. You know what happened when, um, which a lot of people, I don't even know if Conrad knows that, when Crockett went bankrupt and they had to sell the Turner. Yeah. Prior to going bankrupt, the last year That's they October, they right? dubbed old tapes, so all those matches back then. Like in the seventies, with you and me and Wahoo and Mulligan and you and yeah. Jay and and Slaughter and Canoodle and all those. Well, that, those were in the eighties, I guess. But anything from the seventies, unless it was a YouTube deal or something like that, all that stuff that they were doubling over. Yeah. All the stuff with me and Mulligan, where he tore up my robe and all that thing. Yeah. Uh, and then the time. Uh, they, was, he
2: wore it too, right?
0: Big pardon. He put it on and wore it. He wore yeah. It was my best, my peacock robe. Yeah, 'cause I stomped. Yeah. I, I stomped on the hat that Wigglin Jennings gave him. It was a, it was a, right. it was a great angle. They put the pantyhose up everywhere, and but um, the uh, like the the best angle in the history of the business, I, I'll still say it is was the one when you and me, where I wore the lime green thong.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: with with uh, uh, Ernie Ladd's workout socks in the front <laughs> for the cushion and for the look, and you tore off all my clothes. Yeah, I, and,
2: and couldn't get yeah, and I couldn't get the tie off. <laughs> yeah, are I <know>. not, <laughs> not turning the tie. So you're standing there with a tie, lime green yeah. uh, undies, undies and, and knee socks up to your knees. Yeah, exactly. You hey. know, this is back in this is like seventy eight ish.
0: No, seventy seven when you first came yeah. because. They had me beat your ass the first time, and we went around, and there was nobody there. The next week, he stripped me naked, and we sold out everything.
2: Yeah, um, you rub my face in the concrete, and then I had to go backstage and let Harley Ray sandpaper my face. I know. God. Oh, wow. i got to hear that story. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> sorry. You know, I had a discoloration on, on on over. He sandpapered me so much that he took the eyebrow off of one side. <laughs> and I had a burned discoloration. I looked like Spot the dog. Yeah,
0: you was terrible. And,
2: and six months later, I'd walk into a 7 Eleven or something, and a cashier, you know, in the Carolinas, they all watch wrestling there, Mid Atlantic, and he says, Oh my God, that was real. Yes. That, that was that was real. Your fa- I mean, that happened six months ago, and you, your face is still dis- disfigured.
0: Yeah, well, Harley, you know, it's funny because we, we're up the stairs in the old WRL locker room, and Harley tells David Crockett, he said, Get some sandpaper.
2: That is right. He told David Crockett. Crockett. David, David brings back what they call the variety pack. Yeah, I never, I, I never <laughs> seen yeah, this. There's about ten. There's about ten sheets, and the top one is <laughs> yeah. just like very, very fine. Yeah. And Harley reaches down and pulls out the bottom sheet, and it looks like there's granite rocks. Yeah. On this. Piece of sandpaper. He, he, well, he, he folded it. Just a couple of couple of boys to hold me down, my arms, and he said, this is going to hurt, kid." And he starts sandpapering my
0: face. No worse than that, Rick. First, he folded it, and he cut you with it. Then he yes. sandpapered to the cuts. Right. He put five yeah. slits. I mean, like like, keep, like the, you know, with the sandpaper, put yeah. five slits in Rick's uh, under his eye, and then he sandpapered it. It was it was brutal. I mean, it was brutal. And then. <laughs> what, what, if what was he this, thought, like 82? When was this? No, it was 77 78. Harley was the world yeah. champion. I mean, uh, and then what really was brutal was they put methylate on top of it. Oh, Steamer was screaming like, a, God, he was mad.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: no, the did methylate you, you remember, had to hurt the worst, you, you know, it? like pouring alcohol on it. Wow. Yeah, but he you literally the had heart, it for remember, a year. You remember the one-shot
2: one hard way? Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's when you hit me, right? <laughs>
2: uh, we're, was that Harley hitting you? <laughs> we're on the side of the ring, and we're sitting on the cement floor, and, and you're standing behind me, and you take my chin, and you tilt it back, and you go, like, sorry, kid. And we, we one hard way, and here it came to, to make my eyes eye swell up, yeah. shut and swell. <laughs> yeah.
0: I wasn't very good at that either.
1: I don't know. Bray Wyatt disagrees. (laughs) Yeah, Bray Wyatt.
0: (laughs) That was just a timing issue. (laughs) He ducked when I said (laughs) stand Oh, gosh. Well, those are amazing days. I mean, you know, it's so funny because, um, you know, here here we are. um, I, I bought this house that was ahead of its time in Montebello, which is a really nice area in Charlotte. And Rick... Would come over and back then he would hold Megan. Remember the pit in that house, Rick? Oh yeah, by and the Megan fireplace. would sit in your lap. I mean, it was amazing. And Harley would be there We'd, every everybody before we went up to either either Thanksgiving or Christmas for Greensboro. You know, right? And I, uh, yeah.
1: those were the big shows. I, 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 Yeah, I'm thinking, I, was, I'm thinking it was
2: Christmas.
0: Yeah, and here's Megan now, and Megan just turned forty. And uh, here she was sitting in Rick's lap. She was about five years old. Well, wow. right. That's how long we've been. That's how long we've been friends, man. Think about that. Yeah. All the ladies love Slick Rick. You know they love Woo Nation. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.
3: Do you love listening to your favorite podcast on Play.it? Sign up today for the Play.it newsletter to receive monthly updates on new podcasts, notable guests, trending shows, and more. Sign up now at PlayItNewsletter.com. That's
1: PlayItNewsletter.com. Hear what you've been missing.
3: The greatest talker in the history of the business is behind the mic once again. This is Woo Nation with Ric Flair.
1: So when did you guys first meet? Did y'all meet with Vern, or was it after that?
0: No. What yeah. happened was, and I'll, I'll tell the story because the guy's name. If I don't do what, what, if I don't hear it, if I don't use his name, I'll I'll forget it. I would went to Atlanta TV, and he had just come to Atlanta from Minneapolis. Okay. Richard Blood. So I see him, and I go, holy shit! I come back and tell Crockett. I said, there's a guy down there that'll be unbelievable. And so he and Crockett goes, what's his name? I said Richard Blood. I said, but you know he could go with Sam Steamos. if we could do something right. And um, they, he, what happened was, is Crockett called Barnett? Oh my boy! <laughs> I do like One Man Gang. And so they, One Man Gang, went to went to Georgia and we got Ricky Steamboat. Wow. That's boy, a hell was of that a, was that an uphill battle, man? Because every baby face in the territory from Johnny Weaver up went upside down. Here comes Mr. America walking through the door, look like Steve Reeves winning the Mr. America contest, right? Right. They were so jealous. I never saw anything like it. Remember, Rick? Wow. Oh, oh, yeah. they wouldn't even talk to him. Wahoo, Paul Jones and those guys, they were miserable. Here comes this kid looking like Mr. America, right? Right carrying a surfboard <laughs> Jesus! are you kidding um i i i wish i still had a picture of that thing they made the only thing that Crockett ever did right in marketing is they made this picture of him with a uh carrying a surfboard on myrtle beach remember that
2: rick well uh they did two posters of me one with a surfboard and one with me standing there with some jeans on and no shirt
0: yeah yeah you know. i mean this was way before carrie von eric and all that stuff yeah. And he was so damn good looking, and his physique was so outstanding. But boy, you know, back then, this was that. That's Ricky's kind of one of those guys that, that started to change that time when a a bayfish, you know, couldn't weigh three hundred pounds anymore; or couldn't weigh two fifty. Right. You know, this was a weight trained guy with a good amateur background. I mean, the only guy like him in the t- in the business that, at that time, who was considerably older than Rick, was Jack Briscoe. Jack had a good natural, not a weight train as much as just a natural physique. But it's like I always tell the two guys that no matter how hard they try, they could never be bad. Is Jack Briscoe was just too damn handsome. But he had to work heel once in a while, but nobody really liked him as a heel. And Ricky couldn't be a heel. I mean, you take Ricky Steamboat, Sting, and Jack Briscoe, there's three guys that could never be heels. Right. Jack Briscoe could once in a while because, but against Dory or Terry or Harley, who's going to be the, the heel, right? I sure. mean, um and uh I guess he was against wahoo when he worked with wahoo and Charlotte but um if you take stinger and, and and Jack and Ricky Steamboat, I mean they're just guys that there's not there's you're just too nice a guy to ever be a bad guy anyway Rick does that make sense well sometimes
2: some I do appreciate you have to that yeah there's just a handful of us that worked
0: through
2: their whole career and I mean by you know having a 20 plus year career in and- and, and stayed on one side of the fence through the whole career, you know, never never jumped ship, not once. Although, although in 91, I, I did go to, you know, promotion to say, you know, I'd like to work heel, you know, because about that time I had about 16, 17 years in, and I said, you know, before I exit out, I'd like to at least experience it one time. And, and uh, Pat Patterson said, you know, Ricky, is no way, you're, you're, just, you're just a baby face, and that, that's all you'll be. And, uh, and I look back on it now, and I kind of thank him because, uh, because of that fact. It's just a handful of us that just, you know, I started out as a baby face and ended as a baby face 20 years later.
1: So when you went to the WWF in 91, I guess you went back, rather, uh, and they put you with, you know, the headdress deal and the fire, breathing fire and all that, uh, whose idea was that, and how do they pitch that? What does that look like?
2: That, that was Vince's idea.
1: And... Um,
2: Wanted to repackage me was was, was the verbiage, and um, just like starting over, and, um, and and I also almost like you know starting over even even on the card I was you know doing the second third match, wrestling Haku. Um and and, and was going to do a slow build on me and build me back up. But they wanted to repackage me with you know bringing the fire in and the dragon outfit. So. Kind of that, going. That, I'm sorry. Go
1: ahead. Yeah, you're listening to Woo Nation right here with Ric Flair. Of course, we're on Play. It, and you can follow our guest on Twitter, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He's on Twitter at Real Steamboat. So check him out there. Uh, Ricky, let's talk briefly, briefly about when you first left Crockett and went to Vince in New York the first time. Uh, there was talk at the time, and maybe this was just kayfabe stuff, that you were thinking about getting out of the business and opening gyms, and then it wasn't too long after that that you were uh, working for Vince. Uh, what happened there, and, and what was the reason for the departure from the Crockett's? Well, you know,
2: this, this, is, this is what happened. I I came to the Carolinas in 77. This was uh, late 84. Been there for seven years, working as a babyface. Um... George had left, and I and he had went to the WWF at that time to, to work alongside with with Vince as the Booker, and um, Dusty came in to book. Now, you know Dusty got a great mind on his on his on his, on his shoulders, but it's kind of hard to, you know, to deal with a guy that was uh, uh, still working and also the guy with the pencil, right, the Booker. And uh, he put Tully Blanchard and I together, and at that time, Tully was the TV champion. And in the Mid-Atlantic area, uh, even though it was a main event match, and all main event matches were 60 minutes, the the TV championship was on the line for for the first 15, and that was because, like, uh, that would be the time limit on television. So he put me and Tully together, uh, Dusty did, and... um, we wrestled all North and South Carolinas and, you know, up into Virginia's. And I'd go over, you know, like in 17, or he'd go home with the championship, and I'd, I'd win the match. So we did that. Then we got back on TV, and and Crockett, you know, extended the time limit from 15 to 20 or 25 or something. So we went all the way around uh, the territory and did that. Um, and I, I could never win the championship from him. And after a couple of tours... Uh, Dusty booked himself with Tully and Greensboro and 15-minute time limit went out there and beat him in, in 12 minutes.
1: Wow. And,
2: and became the champion. So I saw the writing on the wall kind of sort of at the time to which all I did was just make Tully look good. Now, Tully's a hell of a worker, too. And, um, but just using me as, as at, at that time, you know, the Mid-Atlantic's top baby face. And uh, then he brought Nikita in Nikita Koloff, and we did a thing on TV to which I had a match, went over, and I was walking back to the locker room. I turned around, and Nikita came flying down the aisle, to which I knew, and, you know, his clothesline was called, the, the, like, the Russian Sickle. But when he hit me from behind, I thought my head was out there in the upper bleachers somewhere. Yeah. And um, I kind of saw there that I was going to work with Nikita and end up putting him over and just for Dusty to to pencil himself in and work with Nikita. And, of course, that would be, you know, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, USA, USA against the Russia. So I gave a call to George, and and we started talking. The next thing you know, they flew me up, and I started working for, you know, for the WWE at the time. You know, and I got to give thanks to Dusty for that, because then my my career took off in a different direction. But I think it it bumped up uh, another level, uh, because I started working for them.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I'm not saying this with any malice, but I had to work with Nikita a lot. That was that was a handful, man. Ooh. Especially when he was when he just was. Yeah, he I know. Was Green, right? Yeah, the Russian sickle. I, well, he just, in all fairness, you know, his real name being Scott Simpson is that um, he lived that gimmick better than anybody I've ever seen in the history of the business. Oh he, yeah, he, he, uh, he no,
2: even
0: changed his le- his legal name. Yeah, he, but but he he never talked. I mean, he he did a real good job, but he's just one of those guys that really never never got got. He never really had a clue in the ring. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, the finer points, he, the finance. He, he didn't
0: have to, right? Because he was a gimmick, and uh, it the people believed it, and uh, he drew money, and uh, um, you know, it's what. But he, he I know what Ricky's saying about you know, you're knocking your head off your shoulders. He, because uh, he, he just he never loosened up. He never, you know, you know which. And I, I give a lot of guys. I'll say a lot of guys never had the chance or the ring time or a train. I think he was trained by Eddie Sharkey. I mean, you know. Always, yeah,
2: he was. He was a Minnesota boy too. Yeah, but
0: right? he, was, he wasn't a Vern Gagne guy. You know, so no. he didn't have to do the 500 free squats and all that. You know, so and
2: you um, and, and he was big at that time, wasn't he, Rick?
0: 285. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they made that vignette with him in the dungeon, which was way ahead of its time. And uh, that thing really put him over, just some somebody, somebody's garage. But They made it look like he was down in a dungeon training with Ivan Koloff, remember? And, oh, yeah. Uh, he had the neck harness on and all that, and he had huge traps, and he he looked the part. And the gym that we all went to back then, which Rick and I saw each other every day at, was King's Gym. Before it became world, Gym. it may it right. have been world by the time he got there, and he would never talk to anybody. He'd walk around the gym every day. I don't think ever. I don't think he ever said a word of English in the gym for two or three years. You no, know, and if he and did have to talk, it'd always be in that
2: Russian
0: accent. Yeah, I mean, he would just make a noise, you know, because yeah. he couldn't, you know, he couldn't speak Russian, obviously. But um, yeah, but he had, a, you know, he had a, a funny career. He didn't, he didn't hang around that long, and then. Um, tried to come back I can remember we tried to get him to come to Atlanta and he he came down and said I just don't want to do it so um, but he made his money I guess he's doing okay yeah I think he's involved in the ministry now and stuff like he that. yes
1: yes sir so so Ricky once you got to the WWF you know you had been you know spent a, a great portion of your career at that point working for the Crocketts what was the biggest difference you noticed in working for the Crocketts versus working for the McMahon's well as uh, you of uh, Wrestlemania. You know, uh, the,
2: to me, it was this, the scope of everything. You know, the venues of the, the, the large cities and the production level of TV. Um, it, just, it just seemed like it was making it bigger than life. To me, uh, we were just used to doing work in studios and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, uh, not knowing I didn't know at the time that how the business was going to grow, but you just had some kind of gut feeling that this thing was was way different than the way the business had been projected for the past, you know, prior 50 years.
1: And one of the big ways, you know, that Vince really took the company national when we're talking about bigger television products was, of course, Saturday night's main event. And you famously had a match and angle with uh, Jake the Snake Roberts there. And, Rick, I don't know. Did you know about the DDT on the floor? No. He's, oh, I, 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 ne-
0: I was always working. I mean, I, I didn't see a lot of that stuff because I was working every time. You right. Know? Even when Tully and I were there, I never got to see it because uh, – you know, their our, our schedule was completely different than theirs. They taped on Tuesdays, and that time they didn't. They weren't on Raw at that time. They right. were taping at uh, at ne- network TV for NBC, right? Am I saying that right, Rick? Right. When you guys would tape every other Tuesday. I did a little of that too in the '90s when I went. But um, no, I never even saw. As a matter of fact, I was wrestling Sting. I was wrestling Sting when he wrestled the. Steam, uh, um, Macho. Macho. I was in a Clash of Champions with Sting. Am I saying that right, Rick? That is correct. Yeah, you you guys were in Detroit for that one, right? Yeah, 1987. Yeah, 87. I was wrestling Sting in Greensboro at the Clash of Champions. So I never even saw their match. I just heard the next day, which pissed me off, that... Ricky Steamboat said he had the best match
1: of his life. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, "Watch just because he won." <laughs> it's, it's, well, let's just go ahead and talk about that. You know the, the No, the match I'm, is I'm the, just
0: kidding. But, uh, but I mean, I couldn't have been happier because I, you know I I know how good Ricky Steamboat sure. is. Sure. You know, but you know, it just, I just I I didn't the whole thing. It's the truth if you're booking and you're and you know, working and you're a bay face, it never works out. It just, it just doesn't. Because if you're booking and you're, and you, and you, you know, like he said with Dusty, who has so much talent and so much charisma, but, you know, he's going to push himself, you know. I mean, but Ricky was so over in the territory, there, there's always, in my estimation, there's room for, for two or three guys, you know what I mean?
2: Right. Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah, but what happens is they they come and they want to get their own guys they're familiar with and all that, and, and Magnum kind of took over Rick's spot, you know right. what I mean? And Magnum was going to be the next guy and probably would have been the champion had it not been for the terrible car wreck you right. know, that he was in. I think they were pushing Magnum to be the next world champion. So. Uh,
2: I agree, Rick. I heard you that they were grooming him uh, for that NWA spot.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they were because I was working with them all the time and putting him over, and uh, he was a great guy, a great kid, too. I mean, I just – what a – I was in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, when someone called me and told me about the car wreck. You know, and I just, oof, I just. He was mud- a uh, Virginia Beach kid, right? Yes, he's up there. And, I mean, he uh, he actually wrestled in college for a little bit up at Old Dominion, and then. Uh, okay. But but Jesus, you know, not 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 to change the subject from our, uh, but you know, you and I know how hard it was with Vern. But when Gene and Ole <laughs> when they had that building over on, uh, on uh, Fairview, the Crockett's where we used with the big building when they bought later on, remember, Rick? Yeah. And, God, they brought Terry Allen down for, for <laughs> to break him in, and Buzz Sawyer was there. Oh, my God. They beat up Terry Allen so bad. Buzz Sawyer was tough. Yeah. And it was <laughs> the only Gene and Buzz Sawyer. They beat up Terry Allen so bad. <laughs> I saw him walk out of the parking You said goes, they beat up their hands
1: so bad uh-huh. on him? They what? You said they beat up their hands they so bad? They beat him up so bad. Okay, I thought you were they hurt no, their hands no, on him. No, no, like, wow, oh, okay, oh, that's oh, another thing.
0: Gene Anderson was a sadistic son of a bitch boy. <laughs> and Ole was kind of a bully, you know. I and mean, they just, no. you know, they stretched these guys and, I mean, beat the crap out of them. And, and he had to be in pretty good shape uh, to have wrestled in college. And I think he was a state champion of Virginia. I don't think he went to Granby or anything like that, but... Anyway, he had a good amateur background, but those guys, it was so hard to get in the business down then. And, you know, it's like, um, oh, God, they almost killed Iron Sheik when Sheik came in. And then Sheik was tougher than hell. Right. But, you know, the way Gene and Ole would get these guys to do, run up and down stairs and do a, a thousand squats and then get in the ring with them. Right. Very similar to the way Bill Watts and Eddie Graham did with guys. You know, they loved it, the, you know, beat up guys. That's one of the reasons I've always admired Jack Briscoe. He would never briscoe would never go down to the sportatorium you know these stories rick and yeah. Stretch, and you know bob roop would beat the crap out of these guys and jack would never do it either with jerry you know because they'd beat the guy a guy that was already exhausted you know what right. I right mean? but only and gene was so poor i said hang in there kid you'll be okay It'll get better. i said if you hang in there for a couple of times you'll be fine
2: you know you, you think about that happening back in the day you know in the uh-huh. 70s um you think about it, how, how how many good talent might have come out if they didn't quit because of, of getting their, their
0: ass handed to them. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like you, I know. But I, it's funny, after what I went through, and I quit three times, and thank God Vern made me come back. But after what I went through, I I didn't feel I didn't feel bad for him. <laughs> I'm sure you went through the same thing. Oh yeah. V- Vern was tougher yeah. than hell with us, and I had Bill. you have, Did you have Billy Robinson
2: too? Oh, he'd come down and, uh, oh. you know, after we, you know, Kato put us, uh, the Sheik put us through doing, you know, a 1,000 yeah. squats and a 1,000 push-ups. And, and then here comes Robinson, and, you know, he was a bully. Oh, of course he was. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. that... He he, uh, he bloodied my nose and lip up a few times. Were you in the barn as well, right? No, we were in the basement of the uh, building that Vern just moved his office to. Over in
0: Excelsior, okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I was in the barn, and... Thirty below weather, or thirty degree weather, I was miserable. Oh, but it oh, all—I you know, I look back at it now, yeah. and I'm glad I went through it. You know, I, I think yeah. it—you uh, know—even though I quit three times, I, I am glad I finished it. I mean, obviously I am. But uh,
2: you, let me let me tell you real quick, were There, and in, in, in that in that building was twenty stories, and starting at the basement, it was twenty-one. So we were in the stairwell, and we we're running. You know, steps up running stairs up, up to the top and run back down. Yeah. And then Cod then got the idea you pair this off and um, then you get a guy up on your shoulders, fireman carry, and then you carry a guy up 21 flights. Oh, I know. Yeah, hey, listen, well, yeah. they were
0: queer. Are you kidding? God, I, I did that stuff with Paul Ellery in Japan.
2: Yeah. As a the the he, he gets to the top, and you drop the guy. You run back down, and then he carries you up.
0: Yeah, well, you weren't the. Do you know? Here's a story. Very few people know. Do you remember the name Brian Oldfield? All right. He had. To, well, he know. had the world record in the shot put. He won the Olympics. Okay. Brian Oldfield. Okay. I got it. Yeah, I got it. And he showed that. up in Excelsior. I've heard the story a hundred times. Handsome, big, 6'5", 280 pounds, built like a Greek god, blonde hair. And he tells Vernie wants to be a wrestler. <laughs> they sent him downstairs with Cossero. <laughs> he left the building crying two hours wow. later. Nobody ever saw him again. Wow. This is the guy that won the Olympic gold medal and had the world record. He's the guy that first guy to do 70 feet, Brian O'Field. See, I am just a. athlete. I, I am like a mind trust. You really are a brain trust. Me I mean, know. it's uh, yeah,
1: it's impressive. If I raised
0: Jesse Owens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right back. It's
0: time to shine my sixteen world titles.
1: Time to tell you about something. I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance yet. We never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now, and just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half, and I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance super easy. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath Life is life insurance in your hands, on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at GoliathLife.com.
3: The greatest talker in the history of the business is behind the mic once again. This is Woo Nation with Ric Flair.
0: So one of my favorite stories about Ricky's team, we could talk all day long, is the day that he did a 465-pound bench press at WRLA TV. Clean. Straight. Not kidding. You. After wrestling me for a month, an hour every night. Wow. Yeah, because here's what we do. We do an hour. He was training for the Mr north carolina contest and his competition was jimmy snooker who'd been mr hawaii five times i'm doing all the promotion on this contest right here so and uh everybody in the territory was into it and it was down at the the auditorium next to the ovens auditorium so so a steamboat and he would wrestle and i think i was staying in this house and i think i was having another marital issue <laughs> so we'd get in the car after the town and i would drink each day i'm gonna have three millilights and I'm gonna eat three McNuggets, and don't, don't even put anything else in front of me. And that is like you were like, if I remember correctly, he helped me out, Rick. Sixty carbs a day. Yeah, sixty yeah. carbs a day. Wrestling me an hour every night. Unbelievable. He would drink three Miller Lights and eat three chicken McNuggets. I would drink twelve to fifteen Miller Lights, and even though I hated them, I would drink. I would eat twenty McNuggets in a three hundred mile drive.
1: So, you don't hate Miller Lights, well, the chicken. No, nuggets. the McNuggets. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they were better than the hard boiled eggs and eat in a cheap. Uh, sure. What are those things called that Macho Man was selling? Oh yes, yeah, Slim Jims. Slim Jims. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But that—that's that, what he ate, and we'd get to his house. He'd say, "Here," you <laughs> would hand me a bowl of Cool Whip. <laughs> that was his his way to go. I said, "I can't live off Cool Whip." You got, course, he that, had, was, it, uh,
2: that was my dessert.
0: No, I know, but you had your rice all prepared, I and mean, this guy had it laid out. He was way ahead of his time, right? In weighing his meal meals, prep and all meal that. preparation like like that's what my daughter asked. She does now. When she goes somewhere, Rick, she orders. You can order prepared meals, right? Right, and she yeah. has them delivered. She spends five hundred bucks sending prepared meals out on the road. with her t- I go, okay, honey. It sounds like a lot, but I, you know if that's what you want to do. But I mean, it, she, she looks like it too. So I, it, she'd been rewarded with that gift. But Rick was doing that back, wrestling me for an hour every night, which was not like we do, we didn't do what they call rest holds. <laughs> he was. We, he went from two thirty to what one ninety five for the contest. One ninety
2: nine. One ninety
0: nine. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Frank Zane, man. He was the king of what you tell me all the time? He said, I might not be that big, but I've got um what's the word? Not continuity, um pleasing to the eye. No, 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 no. There's a word though for bodybuilders when everything is ah I've got symmetry, Nate. Symmetry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: he was Frank Zane before Frank Zane, man. That's awesome. Yeah, true story. And he won the contest. And, yeah. and Snooker was, you know, look, looked like a million bucks, but Rick, I mean, Rick, his calves, I mean, everything was just symmetrical, no no steroids, clean, and still bench pressing 465 pounds. Unbelievable. That's that's a lot. Because we had some guys in the business back then that could jack some weight. I mean, both, sure. both uh, Bravo and uh, Atlas could bench well over 500. Right. But I think they had a little help along the way.
1: Well...
2: Yeah. They were, I spot I spotted, I spotted atlas acids. he did five for five. Huh? I spotted Atlas one time when he did five hundred for five reps.
0: Yeah, well that was on amino acids, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Woo Nation okay. right here on Play And just it.
0: so you know, they could have given me anything and I couldn't bench 505,
1: so <laughs> taking nothing away from it. <laughs> well, we talked a little bit about the Macho Man match at WrestleMania three, and those are probably your two biggest opponents of the matches you hear the most about. Isn't that right, Ricky? I mean, when you talk about Macho Man and Ric Flair, those are the two big opponents, right? Yes, without a
2: doubt, everywhere I go, you know, I'm doing appearances and stuff now. I'm working for the company, and... uh it's a flip of a coin, when a fan comes up, which one they talk about. The, you know, the matches that Rick and I had in the Wrestlemania 3 with, with Savage, it's always those two.
1: Tell us about the differences in working with Randy Savage and working with Ric Flair.
2: Well, like I said, we in that Charlotte match with four or five seconds left on the clock, just going to the ring, and I only knew that when when he felt it was right, he's just going to sweep my feet out and put put his feet up in the second ropes, you know, in the corner, and that was it. Nothing else was said. Nothing else. And uh, Randy's match uh, from start to finish was completely thought out, you know, and, and talked out and even, you know, stepped through and all that Um it was a completely different animal for me because I'm so used to just calling it in the ring and feeling this moment and, and that. But, you know, Randy had it A through Z, and uh, I will say with that match, what, what made it different, uh, customarily, um, you, you'd have your shine in the beginning for the baby face, and maybe baby face get a, uh, a false finish or two. Then you segue into your heat section. And uh, the heel would get a number of his false finishes in, and then you you go to the comeback, and Babyface has a couple of false finishes during that comeback, and then you have the finish, you know, whoever was going over. So, you know, blueprint match, you know, eight or nine, you know, uh, false finishes in the course of a standard match. Um, We had 22 false finishes in that match. And, And to remember 22 false finishes... You know, that was, that, that's the part that stressed me out. I was so happy that when that match was over, just because we got all the 22 false finishes in. You know, and it sort of, I think from that point on, everybody started taking notice about how different that was because, because of all that false finish. And, and uh, my only, uh, when Randy and I started that thing, I said, I think the biggest thing is, is let's focus on the championship, and that would be, you know, you trying to beat me to stop me from getting it, and me trying to beat you from, and, and get it. And that's what we just started coming up with false finish after false finish.
0: Yeah, how long How long was that match? Uh,
2: less than 17 minutes.
0: Wow, that's a lot of false finishes.
2: <laughs> that, yeah, we were false. I, I, you know, I, I uh, have never false done finishes, that. Yeah, every 45
0: seconds we are false finishing one another. Yeah, I was and just taking my first face bump at seventeen minutes, <laughs> 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 and and yeah. and having you press slam me. <laughs> I hadn't even taken over on you at that point yet. <laughs> yeah,
2: And press slam you, boom, and the next thing we chop off the top, boom, yeah. we cover, kick out, grab a, grab a hold.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was the best. Got so Ricky, last
2: I, year I, I, found... w- I remember when you, you started doing the upside down thing in the turnbuckle.
0: Yeah, and you chopped me yeah. running
2: down it. <laughs> yeah. And that that the chop, you didn't know it was coming. That was right out of blue. I just said, wow. This, I know. You know it, just, what a moment this would be. Yeah. And you'd take the chop and throw your feet way up in the air and flip backwards and land on the floor. And <laughs> you know, It just, you know, if I was going to do a dive through the road, Sonya as you started the feet up and saw me coming. It, uh,
0: yeah, because, no, you, you know, the th- one thing that you and I did, I think we were the first ones to do it, I don't, maybe Harley did it with Dory. I don't remember, but <clears throat> you have to really trust your opponent to catch him in that cross body right. and go over the rope backwards. Yeah, but the guy you're catching, right? And I never caught Rick. Rick, I mean, I, I, Rick always caught me. Right. Right. Because I mean, I just wasn't good at it like that. But yeah, you know, I mean, some guys can do it. I I could dive on Rick, and trust me, I was not. You know, I was not Roker Pontiac. I wasn't going to jump that high. But in Rick knew I would take his head, we'd land. Right. But we we started doing that, and no, nobody had done that that I'd seen for a long time. <clears throat>
2: so I, I I had not seen anybody do that. We did that, I think, in our Chai Town match in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, for the first
0: time, because yeah, he um he doesn't t- he's not he does not grab the rope at all. He's just trusting me to tuck his head in. And we, the momentum takes us over. He doesn't okay. touch the rope at all. And then he, then yeah. he lands on top everybody of me or else next to me. Does
1: this deal? And hooks yeah, everybody it. Yeah. else
0: hooks it when you're doing it like that. But he was holding my body and trusted me to take him over. Nobody was doing it at that point. So it was- yeah, it was. Uh,
2: I was selling up. My back would be close to the ropes. You take off and here you come charging, hit me with a crossbody, and we, yeah. we're just freewheeling it. We're both yeah. going over the top, not grabbing nothing. And we're just freewheeling it.
0: Yeah, I mean it was. You know what's so easy with him and me in the ring. You know, and I've, I said this about you the other day, Rick. I was telling somebody that, you know, if if it, if it had been something to do, that Ricky Steamboat would have done a moonsault. Sure. Okay? If you if someone had said, Ricky, do a moonsault on the announcers, people weren't doing that. Right. But it's not that Ricky Steamboat couldn't do it. He had what no reason thing. to. If yeah. it, but if somebody had started doing it. Certainly, Rick could Rick could do anything. He was that kind of an athlete, right? But it, it wasn't called for then, and and what we did it was so different as we set a pace that nobody could keep up with. I mean, we didn't, you know, we we don't we never sat in a hold. We didn't have to right. because the people the people didn't hey, sit down. Hey,
2: and you know, our challenges on uh, cardio, yeah. I, well, even though that it was never said between you and I, but I knew that there was. A, always an underlining challenge in our matches of who could blow who up. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, it was, it, it, although the verbiage was never translated back and forth between him and I. And even the challenge would go into the weight room, because that's when the stairs, Stairmaster was popular, and we'd be side by side, yep. and we'd crank it up to 20 and go for 30 minutes on the Stairmaster, you know, just like crazy.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> the difference is you slept at night periodically. <laughs> <laughs> I could never get Ricky Steamboat to hang out. Isn't that funny? He and Sting <laughs> found ways to
2: avoid me at
0: all times. It was,
2: no, no, we we had those those three situations at two thousand and one club, and I learned then. Just, I said, you know yeah,
0: yeah, but we it. we had spouses with us. That I'm talking about when we we're on the road. You would never. Ricky Steamboat was not a party guy. And I'll tell anybody that forever. He was never out doing what I was doing. Okay, and I was just you know drinking and saying hi to, paying my respect to the people that bought tickets. Right, <laughs> that's just part of the job. But Rick was Boy, never... <laughs>
2: you were living. You, you were. That was your image.
0: Yeah. The only time I could get Steamboat to drink a lot was when we were in Europe. Uh, I'll never forget the trip with you and I and Sting when. The, Because, you know, Rick Steamboat is a speed freak, right? And he can build cars, and he can build boats, and he's multi-talented, right? I mean, I've got to pay people to do all of the above. Um, And we rented a uh, 735 BMW, and Ricky was driving at 160 miles an hour on the Autobahn. You and I and Sting, remember that?
2: Oh, yeah, the damn thing started to (laughs) (laughs)
0: overheat. Yeah. But when I got him overseas, he had a beverage, but that was about it. Oh, man.
2: Do you remember the last night in Berlin?
0: Yeah. I, the best was the best was our flight back, you and I of Stanza when we got so drunk I got off the plane and left three robes, remember? Over oh, yeah. me. Oh. Um, I left three robes that I carried on. By the time I got back to customs they were long gone. Wow. I said, Thanks, Mike. That, that, <laughs> that night in Berlin we were
2: we were we were drinking beer and uh shots of schnapps which I knew the schnapps was was going to kill me. About four or five of us guys, we end up splitting into two Volkswagen taxi cabs. I don't remember whose lap I was sitting on in the front seat, but I puked in the guy's Volkswagen glove box. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> yeah. Not oh. cool. Not cool. And then we got on the plane together flying home and we just said, let's just do it, man. Versus <laughs> seven and a half or eight hours. We just poured them in. <laughs> <We got> them. <laughs>
2: you, you see, you were conditioned for it. I wasn't, and I—oh God, I, it was always bad for trip- me. No, I know.
0: And, you, and even if you drank, you only drank beer. Yeah. So, you know, I got a yeah. but, <laughs> but you can only you, you, drink you, so much beer in a nine and a half hour run. You got to have something else, sure. Right? sure. Well, so and then another great, another
2: great. Yeah, time.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry. Two hours
2: in, two hours in, I'd look at you and you look at me, and you know what kind of state I was in, and then would be that, that flicker Flair laugh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey,
0: I gotta say one thing and before I'll let you go and we I gotta run too we gotta wrap this one but Rick I will tell you one thing and one of my proudest moments is they made the mistake in Japan of putting Ricky steamboat and I on before the main event in Tokyo and that be the proudest moment of my life because when he and I got out of the ring they didn't think that two Americans would mean anything. Sure. They put us on in Tokyo. We were on a whole tour together for about two or three weeks, and uh, right. and I was the NWA champion, and was this I wrestled in Japan. With, uh, no, this was Baba. Okay, all, 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 all Japan, Japan, all Japan. Yeah, yeah, we were there for Baba, and uh, and they put me and him on in the semi-main event, and the, you know, they might as well just close the doors when we left the ring, <laughs> because that uh, was Jumbo Saruta and somebody against that. I forget it. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> they forgot that he, you know, he does look a little Japanese. Are you kidding me? And hey,
2: they were dying, hey, man. That, Fifty. Hey, Rico,
0: huh?
2: do, you know, do you know? Do you ever get any artwork from Tony Atlas? I have not. Well, you know, he's a great artist, and he does everything by pencil. I didn't know that. Yes, and he doesn't do pencil with lines. He does everything is done with a dot. Really? Like you, take a, you take a pencil and if you put on a pe- clean piece of paper and put a dot on it, that's how we start. Wow. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting right here talking to you, and you mentioned the match that you and I had in Japan, and I'm looking at what I have hanging on my wall. It is a, about a 14 by 28 poster signed by Tony that is done with dots, and it's a picture of you and I in the middle of the ring. Uh, fighting for a top wrist lock and the fans in the background have all got slanted eyes wow wow it's a shot of you and i in that match that you just talked about yeah in, cool. J- in japan
0: yeah and i've got it
2: hanging hanging on my wall
0: yeah well they gave you and i those plaques remember afterwards yeah um, they gave it these beautiful plaques but i mean and they, I, I mean, I when I heard that we were going on, the uh, last worked for me. When I heard that they didn't think we were could, could hold our own of it. Okay, you haven't currently got cable TV over here. <laughs> see you when I see you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, Rick, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, uh, you
2: know, Rick, thank you very, thank you very much for for having me. And I, I like to say it with you present because I said this on a number of radio shows. So when I got to the Carolinas, Flair taught me everything that I, I learned. He taught me about timing. He taught me when to fight back. He taught me how to work. So, you know, I, I don't think I would have nearly had the leaps and bounds and, and, and uh, the levels of uh, expertise that I had after working with you for all those years that you, you, you were my teacher.
0: Well, I think we learn from each other. And unfortunately, it made a lot of other people miserable. <laughs> That's my take on it, because I learned a lot from you, too, my friend. All God right. bless you. I All think right. the world of you, Rick. And uh, I've just, our uh, friendship means the world to me. Stay close, okay? Stay healthy. Okay, buddy. Love Thanks you. For, thank you, Rick. Thank you so much, yeah. sir.
1: So, all right, man, yeah, that was a great interview, Ricky yeah. the Dragon Steamboat. Everybody talks about the 1989 matches, and you guys got to kind of reminisce, and it's easy to tell how close you guys still uh, are all these yes, years later. I think
0: the world of them, you know, and... Uh... He, on the money, he's just one of those guys that's just too good to be true.
1: And how cool is it right there at the end? He kind of gave you the kudos and said you were his teacher. And then ultimately, you were the guy who beat for the first world title. I mean, really cool history between yeah, the two Yeah, I wish I could tell you I was his teacher.
0: We learned together because sure. I'd never wrestled anybody that can move around like that. Like, my, I learned from Wahoo McDaniels, and, who was ultimately my teacher, uh, even though I was in love with Dusty. working with Wahoo, I learned how to work, you know, more so than learning with Dusty. A little more entertainment value than I learned from Dusty, but working at a pace and with a guy as technically gifted as Steamboat really helped, you know, put my me on the map as well.
1: Why do you think uh, his his legacy isn't bigger than what it is? When you think about guys like yourself and Shawn Michaels, you're always at the top of the list. All the pros put Ricky right there on the list too. But in the eyes of a lot of fans, maybe he's not as high. Is that because he didn't spend as much time with Vince, or I, I think it's that, and you also uh,
0: wasn't with Vince uh, when as the company. I mean. If you really look at my career, it got bigger in 2001. Right. I mean, in in, in wrestling, in, in people that follow the sport and wrestling wrestling minds like yourself or Dave Meltzer or, or Jim Ross, my best years were my 80s. Right. But the 90s and 2001 and 2008 are the years they're going to talk about the most. Because the world changed. And, and Rick was gone, yeah. yeah. See, Rick... Rick said he was in the business 20 years. Right, I've been in the business 42 years. Right, it's a big difference, and I'm only five years older than he is. So, that's what you can't you can't duplicate television time. Right. So I'm just I'm I, God gave me a gift, and I'm one of the gifts was getting to work with him.
1: Well, and listening to you guys was a gift for every wrestling fan. Well, this was probably the best edition, in my opinion, of Blue Nation we've had so far, and I'm pumped about next week. I am too, young man. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. It's Woo Nation
0: with Conrad Thompson and the Nature Boy over and out.
3: Woo!